0: This is the Unstoppable Authors Podcast with world building warrior Angeline Trevina, planning and productivity powerhouse Holly Line, and formatting fireball Julia Scott. Every week, we bring you discussions on the craft of writing, author life and business, and interviews with some of the industry's most unstoppable authors. A writer's life doesn't have to be solitary. We're here to bust that myth, support you on your journey, and encourage you to be
1: unstoppable.
0: Episode 162 of the Unstoppable Authors podcast. I'm your host Holly Line, and today I have an interview with a returning guest, Dave Chesson. Dave very kindly agreed to speak to us twice when we approached him, so he was Julia's guest in episode 155, where they talked about Atticus, and today we're discussing Publisher Rocket and all things keywords. But before we get into the interview, my personal update. Uh, full disclosure, I was out last night, drinks were had, and I don't entirely know what I'm doing today, but I'll see if I can get through producing this episode. It's been a pretty good writing week. I've written 7,500 words so far, and I'm hoping to get some more writing done this weekend. Um, so, yes, that's been good. I've also been wrapping up some launch things and trying not to obsess over the data because that isn't helpful for me. Some people love data and need it. Uh, I do love data. Uh, in small doses, Uh, but I have to be able to separate my creative brain from the metrics around sales and advertising, otherwise I tend to get discouraged and doubt myself. Um, So I've been reminding myself of my big why a lot this week. I write because I enjoy expressing myself and weaving stories through deeply developed worlds. I want to emotionally move readers too, that's very important to me. I'd rather have 100 superfans who email me all the time to talk about my books than 100,000 sales of each new book in the first week. I mean, if I had to choose between the two, obviously both would be ideal. (laughs) So um, Patreon, no new patrons this week, but a huge thank you to all of our current patrons who sponsor the show. We really appreciate the support and we have such a laugh at our monthly sessions of Sprints and Giggles patrons get early access to episodes exclusive access to our off-air banter and the chance to join in with our sprints and giggles sessions where we do writing sprints answer questions and have a laugh if you'd like to join in and also support the show you can do so for just three pounds a month at patreon.com forward slash unstoppable authors so our question of the week last week was what gem from our marketing topic has inspired you On Facebook, Edwin said, I can't say any of the information has inspired me beyond what I'm already working on, but the one thing that did stick with me was Sarah Painter pointing out, us wide authors need to think in terms of wide for our marketing and research. Too much of the information out there is Amazon only, or at least Amazon first, and everything else is an afterthought. I completely agree, Edwin, and that was my big takeaway from speaking with Sarah. And Matt says, you're all inspiring, which was so sweet. Thank you, Matt. We really appreciate that. So I just wanted to have a quick word about Instagram. Um, We've really noticed, and I dare say you have too, that Instagram has really gone downhill. It's... um, it's been difficult for, well, since last year really, um, it's been getting worse and worse, but it seems the last few months in particular have seen reach and engagement absolutely tank. It's like a cliff. Um, on my personal account, I've had a 76% reduction in reach in the last two months. Um, so yeah, if you're on Instagram please could you hop onto our profile and engage with our posts to try and jumpstart the stalled algorithm. Uh, We really appreciate that and we would love to hear from you. We really want to get lots of answers to our questions of the week. So head on over to Unstoppable Authors on Instagram and drop us a comment please. This week our question of the week is how do you pick the keywords for your books? Now without further ado into the interview with Dave Chesson hi Dave welcome back to the unstoppable authors podcast okay. uh, you Thank spoke you so with much my... for having me that's okay you spoke with my uh, co-host Julia last month about all things Atticus and uh, today we're gonna get stuck into some keywords and publisher rocket goodness so um for the benefit of anyone listening who missed your last interview or who needs a reminder could you start us off with a little whistle stop tour of your journey into the world of publishing
1: yeah absolutely well uh i grew up with uh dyslexia and so you kind of go through life kind of thinking that you weren't meant for english and so you always shy away from it i became a physics major just to get away from it (laughs) but it doesn't mean that your creativity or desire uh goes away. And but what it does mean is is that someone like me just could not sit down and write anything they wanted. So when I decided that I really wanted to become an author and I wanted to focus on it, I needed to better understand what kind of things could someone like me write about that there's a hungry market on Amazon for. And so when I started to look at Amazon like it was a source of data, a place where I could learn uh market trends and kind of find a spot for me, um that was when things really turned around for me. I started asking questions like, why does Amazon choose to show this book over another? And more importantly, is there something that Amazon shoppers are looking for that they can't find? And if I could just provide that, like that would be awesome. And so with all of that in mind, I really started to experiment and test. And this was where I created my website, Kindlepreneur, which is devoted to teaching people about book marketing and understanding Amazon and their search engine and all of those things. But over time, though, I then created Publisher Rocket, a software that was dedicated to helping authors find those right keywords, find those opportunities, learn about the the best way to angle their book so that they can get Amazon to show their book more often. Um, And it started off with just that. But then in time, we also added the category feature, which helps authors to see the 14,000 plus Amazon categories out there and gives them you know, exact knowledge of whether or not uh, they should choose that category or how many book sales they need in order to be number one bestseller. I mean, it just takes the guesswork away. And then we added the Amazon ads feature and we've just always been making it uh, better and better. I think one of the things I love most about running that software, is that as an author I have my own programming team and half the time I'm constantly like with them saying hey you know wouldn't it be nice if and then they're like sure we could do that and then we just add it <laughs> and so that in in a nutshell has been my my career into what I do today.
0: Awesome so what what attracted you to data have you always been quite a data oriented person?
1: A little bit um I definitely have an engineering background uh I'm very like I like to question things but I'm also, um, I would say, a lot more artistic than many. Um, I really am creative. I enjoy the creating something, coming up with something, tackling a new project. Um, And so really, I kind of look at, that balance was what's really helped me to be an author, you know, to be a writer and to enjoy the process of, of creating things. But at the same time, wanting to take the time to understand the market around me so that I can get my book into more hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is, it's it's been fun to be able to kind of scratch both itches in that respect. And I think that there's a lot of, you know, there are a lot of people out there that maybe uh, just want to do the one thing. But I think that To You can be a writer, but to be a true author and have your platform, you need to kind of understand both. I would even go as far to say that that's important for people, even if they're trying to get published. So if they're going through a large publisher, a mass majority of people who go through that process, they end up finding that once they sign the deal, the publisher leans on them way more than they lean on the publisher to do the marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so authors have to learn these things. And I would say, too, is that... um, you know having that balance right where you're your craft you know you're working on your craft as a writer and you're learning about the market itself is just such a good one two punch that creates the platforms and the careers that we see you know when we look at these prolific authors of today
0: mhm absolutely so you mentioned the the various tools that are available um so let's get stuck into a couple of them and what they are and what they can do so I guess the big flagship thing is Publisher Rocket. Um, so do you want to give me a bit more information about what that is and how authors can use it?
1: Yeah, well, I like to kind of define it as, um, as a book marketing software. Uh, but more importantly, really what what Publisher Rocket represents is the, the things that publishers were using all those years ago. Okay, uh, Publishers didn't just read a book and say, that's a good book, we'll publish it they used data they understood the market they knew trends they they knew it was hot um to give a good example right uh when twilight first came out if you just happened to send a vampire young adult romance book no matter how good it was or bad it was they probably would have signed you in a heartbeat because mm-hmm. they knew that was it they knew the market they knew the trend now i know that that's a very obvious example but they do that at a micro level they are test they would much rather sell an okay book in a hot trend than a great book in a dying trend. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, that's how they make their decisions. They're a business and they're not just operating off of some kind of feelings or, you know, they're not sitting around in a vacuum chamber, just, you know, throwing spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticks. They're using key information to make these decisions. Now, for the longest time, us self-published authors never had access to, to this kind of information. Um, it it was more or less guesswork. It was kind of, you know, you would uh come up with an idea, you would write it, and then when it comes time to like filling in your keywords or so, we just throw some random things up there, whatever came to us at the moment. Um, and so it was way back when we authors, we were at a huge uh competitive disadvantage because publishing companies knew what they were doing, they understood, they saw the data, they saw the trends, and us self-publishers were just kind of like stabbing in the dark. You know, and so what we did was we created this software, a publisher Rocket with the sole purpose of giving self-published authors that kind of information, that data, that uh, ability to really see what's going on. And so I like to say it's kind of like pulling back the curtain of Amazon and seeing the wizard behind, you know, like, <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> um, and so with that in mind, we have four major features. Okay. Uh, the first is the keyword feature. And what this does is that it tells you the words that shoppers are typing into Amazon and it tells you how many of those people type that exact phrase in there. So when an author decides to you know, uh, put their keywords into their book. So for those who don't know, when you go to publish your book on KDP, Amazon's going to ask you for keywords. What they're really trying to do is ask you like, hey, author, can you help us to figure out where to put your book on our store? Mm -hmm. So these are really important in helping to establish that relationship. And if you just throw up things on that, Amazon's not really going to know what to do. And most of the time, they're not going to do anything with it, which means they're not going to help you to sell your book. It's all on you to get people to your book. Then, hopefully getting Amazon to get people to your book on their own. So with that said, is that using this tool, you can now know for sure that this phrase you're putting in there, if it's a good phrase or a bad phrase, is this something that will drive traffic to you? Um, You know, is this something where you have a chance to show up in front of people? Is this going to help Amazon show your book? Mm -hmm. And it just takes all that guesswork away. And now you can make very strategic decisions. Um, I would even go as far to say you could use the feature before you write the book so that you understand the angle or the things maybe it doesn't mean that you have to write that but it does mean hey just a shift do you understand that you know saying this or this element to a story is really hot right now okay so you can use it as choosing your idea um mm-hmm. if before so that's the keyword feature in a nutshell uh the next one is what we call the competition analyzer and what that is is that it helps you to look at the books that show up for that keyword and it List all those books and it tells you really important information about them, like how much money they're making, uh, how strong are they, you know, um, what's how long ago were they published um, and a lot more. And so you can now look at your potential competitors and you see how well they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so or if you just are curious to know how much money somebody made in a month on that book, you could also just put them in there, too, uh, <laughs> and check it out. Um, inside of that particular feature is one of my favorites. And I'm not gonna lie. I'm a bit of a uh movie buff um and a a sci-fi nerd for sure and uh and fantasy and uh i named this one little feature called unleash the categories uh which is and every time my team knows that when i say it like in our meetings i'm like unleash the categories like you know like uh uh what is it the uh titans the Mm -hmm. um um i'm trying to think what liam neeson when he plays zeus (laughs) unleash <laughs> the kraken right so anyways sorry that might be like a sound bite in your head when you use the feature and you're gonna be like unleash the category no, anyways so when you click that though what i love about this feature is it will actually show you all the categories that all those books are a part of and so you can quickly see that you can see if they're good categories if you want to use those um you, you can find out what they're a bestseller of and so it's just really neat like boom just like that you see it all Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the competition analyzer with the unleash the categories inside of it the next feature is the category feature now this is really interesting because for those of you don't know when you go to publish your book on amazon amazon will ask you to select two categories right Mm -hmm. and so they have that pop-up box and you can scroll and you can find some click them and add them here's the thing though those aren't Amazon categories. Those are actually BISACs, which Mm -hmm. is an international standardization code. Um, So a long time ago, uh, publishing companies and bookstores had some major problems with where to put books. A big publishing company would sit there and say, you know what? I think this book is under the category of Wiccan. And so they would ship it off, right? (laughs) And a major you know, a uh, bookstore might actually have a shelf for Wiccan. So they always knew to put it there, but a mom and pa shop might not have, it only has like 12 shelves. They didn't know where to put it. And mm-hmm. they might look at the book with the category of Wiccan and say, is that religious studies or is that fantasy or, and they might end up putting the book in the wrong spot. That hurts the publishers that causes confusion. Like everybody loses. Mm-hmm. So they created this international standardization code. They call BISACs where, there's only 4,800 categories you can select. And what happens is that when the publishers select one of those, the stores, they, they have it set in their magic system, if you will, their, or their inventory system. I call it a magic system because it's <laughs> like, but they have it in their inventory that says, hey, this 127 bisacks, they equate to this shelf on the store. And this thousand bisacks goes to this shelf, and this thousand BISACs goes. To- and so it's literally, it takes a guesswork out. Mm-hmm. So when the person gets the book in the store, they pick it out of the box. They're like, okay, got it. Oh, put it in the inventory. Oh, it goes to fiction or it mm-hmm. goes to YA dystopia, you know, depending on how large the store is. And so they created the system. Well, Amazon's doing the same thing. They're using a BISAC at that point. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Like I said, there's 4,800 BISACs there are over 14,000 Amazon categories. So if you're the author that just selected those two BISACs and hit publish and left it like that, you're getting put into uh, two out of the 400 uh, or 4,800 plus categories that are the most competitive categories in the entire store because mm-hmm. all the authors who don't know this are going into the same categories, okay? Um, so there's that problem. But what really is awesome is we as authors have the ability to request for more categories and we can also request to be in specific Amazon categories. So when you go to publish your book, you hit publish, you got it. You got to select two buy It just happens that way. You hit publish and then immediately they have a form you can fill out to add categories. Well, before Publisher Rocket, there was no list of these Amazon categories. They didn't. It, there's no place you can go to see them all in one spot. Mm-hmm. And so authors would waste hours hunting and clicking and doing click trees and link tr- or link trees and, and and kind of looking at their competitors and just seeing what is kind of showing on their page because Amazon might show three on the page. They might be about a 10. There was all this craziness and people had a lot of problems with that. And so it just caused a lot of confusion. So what we did was we took the entire 14,000 plus category list and we put it in Publisher Rocket. And so for once you can actually scroll through and see every possible okay you can either choose to look at a main category like um science, science fiction and fantasy or romance and then you could scroll and see every category that's listed under them mm-hmm. uh, or you could also start by typing in a word that is in a category, and it will show you every category string that has that exact word in it um, this is really cool Because Amazon hides a lot of really good categories in other main categories. It's funny, but you will find like sci-fi military in five major categories other than science fiction and fantasy. You'll Mm -hmm. find it in literary fiction. You'll find it in YA. You'll find, find, this is a weird one, you'll find it in nonfiction, uh, which is like the weirdest thing ever. Um, and, And there's a couple more that you can find it in. And so it's seeing that, it's discovering these categories in you know, a different main category that most people don't see, where you can find a really good opportunity that most people don't know about. Mm -hmm. Another great thing about the category feature too, is when you see all these categories, you can also look to see how many books that day you need to sell in order to be the new number one bestseller. These can be crazy, like one science fiction or one sci-fi military category might require 280 books sold that day in order to be number one. But the other science fiction uh, or sci-fi military might only be 60, Mm -hmm. right? That's a huge difference. That's the difference between some, you know, having the bestseller tag and getting seen uh, and getting in front of more sci-fi military shoppers than having none of those things. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it takes a guesswork out where authors can now make a very strong strategic decision Then waste a whole bunch of hours and hope maybe they got a couple, you know, put in there. So that was the big push with K uh, with the category feature. And by the way, just this week, we also released a new update that it will tell you the percent of the top selling books that are in KU and the percent of the top selling books that are in, uh, that are backed by a major publisher in that category. So now you can be like, okay, well, 72% of the top selling books in this category are enrolled in KU or oh boy, only 12% of books in this category are backed by a big publisher. Like, so again, it's just giving authors some really good data to make that better decision instead of, like I said, stabbing in the dark. Mm. And so that's the third feature. And the fourth and final one is the Am- Amazon ads or AMS ads. And this is, when it comes to creating proper Amazon ads, um, it's it's a bummer. I really wish that, that Am- like, okay, let me put it this way. If Amazon reps, if you're listening, you can find my number. okay? if they brought me in as a consultant, I swear I could fix them in a heartbeat and I can make it really good for everybody. Mm -hmm. But and all I would do is I'd copy Google. Hmm. Google Ads has this marked in Google Ads. I can strategically work it to make it that my advertisement will show up for that word, you know, and that particular word. And it can be a very strong cost based analysis i can look and say here's the thing in amazon it doesn't work that way in amazon ads you could identify five words that you're like oh my goodness amazon i would pay you anything i don't care per cost per click i don't care just show me number one for these mm-hmm. and you could put some crazy like cost per click like a hundred dollars per click or whatever <laughs> right and they still won't show you mm. or maybe they do it, like you can't control it it's mm. not a strong one-to-one situation so what ends up happening is and this is really quickening the discussion into one sound bite if you will uh is that authors find that they really have to hunt for lots of phrases they have to give amazon lots of opportunities to show in order to get enough momentum okay if you just choose five, five 10, 15, 20 words that you know that you came up with it will probably not even you'll have no impressions which means no one will see it uh, or maybe you get lucky maybe one of them does Instead, people are doing like 100, 200, 300. Mm -hmm. So we created a feature uh, that helps to generate those hundreds of keywords uh, with a couple of clicks of buttons to help progress the process. And if anybody listening isn't as well versed in ads or doesn't know what we're talking about or they've been interested, I have a full uh, two hour free video course um, that teaches how to do Amazon ads. And anybody can find it at uh, amscourse.com. Um, And then you can kind of see what this process looks like, how you can set them up. And so, yeah, so that's the four features. Uh, My team and I are constantly adding new things. Uh, Like I said, just this past week, we added those new uh, statistics that people Mm -hmm. can see so they have better understanding of what's going on in the market. Um, We have a I have a really fun feature that I've been working on for a year and a half uh, that I think will be coming out within January um and i chose january i'm not going to lie not because we can't release it but because christmas time is usually like the worst to release anything yep um, <laughs> right and and, and november is not good either so i figured hey let's just keep adding and improving it and then we'll launch it in january um and so you'll hear about that but what we always do uh, is rocket is only $97 it's a one time cost so it's not a subscription you get it for life and every time we come out with these new features or capabilities Uh, It's a free upgrade. Uh, I I personally hate it when software charges me again because they added something or made it better. So uh, I don't I don't do what the thing that I hate most. So. So, yeah. So those who own it, just kind of keep getting to enjoy the new things that we keep popping in there.
0: Yeah. And I can vouch for that. I've had Rocket since uh, before the name changed. So, yes however many years
1: that is that's right yeah we originally were called kdp rocket Mm -hmm. and we started having conversations with barnes and noble and kobo um and itunes and they did not like the name (laughs) yeah i mean you know i can't blame them on that, you know and i was like you know what you guys you were right it was kind of like like what like why would we talk to you i'm like good point you know and so we talked about it and that the it's not that the um it's not that our our conversation like no fruition came from it there were some good things that came from it that being said though is is that they're still a little hard to work with and um i i have a lot of faith uh that we're going to get something in the future but it's um yeah mm. Let let me try to say something that i'm allowed to say um I would I think it's fair to say that in Barnes and Noble and iTunes, I can't say for Kobo. I, I have a lot more hope for Kobo. I do like them. Um, but I believe that the Barnes and Noble Press or the books arm of iTunes or of Apple. Apple books, yeah. Yeah, they don't get the attention, a love, or the authority to do what they really want to do. Mm um the organization does not give them the power or and and they're they're i I would say this like i've been a consultant to barnes and noble press and i loved uh loved the previous i don't know the new leadership but i loved the previous leadership i think they understood i think they had the right ideas that they could have changed barnes and noble they could have taken on amazon
2: Mm.
1: much better if they'd implemented these ideas and it was beautiful. It would have been amazing. Um, and they just got the Heisman, you know, the hand to the face and nothing ever happened. And I'm just like, you guys are sitting on a game changer here. But they didn't have that authority. They didn't have that ability to just push and be like, guys, we're going to do this. And this is what's going to happen. I don't care. Corporation of bureaucracy be darned, you know. <laughs> um, so we and and because of that, they don't have some key capabilities to be able to communicate uh with systems and so that's why I still keep com- conversation with them I keep working with them um but yeah, <laughs> we'll, yeah. See. we'll see I think
0: a big part of the issue is going to be how much more like manual cur- curation there is at the other retailers whereas Amazon is so algorithm led yeah obviously that's really good for your software that is fantastic because it's all about computers and numbers whereas you know if you've got um merchandisers at Kobo who are hand picking books to promote it's a a whole different thing and a different way of doing business so yeah I can see how there might be a little friction in trying to get your software to work in that in that environment in that system.
1: That's kind of a that's a really good way of putting it. You know, um the big publishing companies and the giant logistics components really hate Amazon because Amazon all in, in all fairness isn't exactly <laughs> they let's just say they disrupted that market when yeah. they came in. And the at first all the others like hated Amazon for it. Now they realize they have to play with Amazon because mm-hmm. um which okay, get it. You know, I got it. Mm-hmm. Um that makes sense. That being said though, is that um the it's more or less like i think because those are like amazon's so hyper focused on their e-commerce store Mm -hmm. and they're so hyper focused in you know things like fba which is fulfillment by amazon which is where people are sending in their products to amazon to be sold amazon depends on them right Mm -hmm. whereas with barnes and noble and co uh well and itunes and everything they're really focused on the giant publishers. They're really focused on just kind of taking care of that component. And I think that's why BNN Press, um, you know, in that respect is the one that that's weakened the most because of, we don't like, I wouldn't say, it's not fair to say we don't care about self-publishers, but it's clear that the organization does not have self-publishers in their strategic mind or plan. Mm. You know what I'm saying? We're um,
0: on just
1: <laughs> yeah yeah it's sort of like it when it comes when it brings the money it brings the money you know like we're going to focus on how do we get more orders from this or how do we you know um stock inventory for that and yeah so mm-hmm. needless to say so we did change that name in hopes and preparations we've had a lot of great talks uh it's been a it's been a lot of fun working with some of them um over the years and i'm going to keep like hard charging until we get it uh, but that was you know one of the other things that was fun though is being the company that we are, we're always trying, like we're always trying to push that fold. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're the only one that actually helps with reporting audiobook information. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a crazy, crazy algorithm that we had to break um in order to just kind of figure out. So you can choose audiobook categories, you can see audiobook sales, and you can also see like um how much money an audiobook is making and that sort of thing. Um which again it's a lot of it's because acx you know and and audible itself even though they're part of amazon um you have to remember that they were bought by amazon Mm -hmm. and that they you know it's interesting for those who don't remember back in the day right print books were done by create space yeah on amazon right Mm -hmm. um and it's funny because you had amazon kdp and back Back in the day we could only see ebook sales if we logged into KDP and then we'd have to log into CreateSpace yeah. just to see the print books. <laughs> well, that was because CreateSpace was a different company that mm-hmm. got bought and so they handled that. And then it wasn't until Amazon got rid of CreateSpace and then brought it in into KDP as one unit that a lot of great things happened for us authors. I would love to see Amazon do that same move with ACX. Mm and bring it in where it's all in one spot. I can upload my audio book, my print book, ebook, all in one spot. And then I get all the detailed information. And I and so my team and I are like waiting for that moment because that I think would just help to explode that component as well.
0: Mm, so, Absolutely.
1: Like I said, it's so much fun being an author and having programmers. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> Okay, so um, where do you like draw your sources of data from? And Do you have an in at Amazon or is it all done from like speculation? Like how do you know the information?
1: Boy, there's actually a lot of ways that we do it. Um, the first is from Amazon itself. Um, we've created systems that constantly monitor stuff on the Amazon store and pull that information. So that's one big source. Another thing is, is that we've teamed up with major publishing companies Um, and have been able to use their um, sales data, their information, um, and just to ensure that our analysis is always correct and Mm -hmm. up-to-date. When we add a new international market, we have to, like, we won't just pop that stuff in there and create a guess. Uh, We have to work with a publishing company in that nation for a while um, before we absolutely know that our system is is interpreting what Amazon's showing us before we can show it. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Another thing is we started doing a whole bunch of machine learning and forecasting uh, in programming. And what that is is, and I'm just going to really any programmers listening, you're all going to cringe when I say it, but it just just you know it's it's just remember, it's it's kind of helping to to understand this. What we do is we collect a load of data, like a mountain of data, um, a big amount, and we pop it in the computer, and then we have these special programmers that that focus on just crunching the data and finding interesting information and trends, and then taking that and trying to find ways to apply it into our analysis. Um, and so we're constantly, like we have terabytes and terabytes of information um, that our, our own personal algorithm is crunching to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's interesting because it's always coming out with new data, new understanding. Here's a crazy kicker. We just found this out. Uh, just I just posted about it um, a little bit ago, but we found that in the top 1,000 books in Amazon, that um, when you get to about that, the the this is a statistic. This isn't me making something up. But out of those top 1,000, 90% of what made them a top thousand came from Ku pages read. Right. And let me let me set that back. KU downloads, not KU pages read. Okay. So for those who don't know, uh the Amazon bestseller rank is a rank from number one bestseller to worst selling book in all of Amazon, right? Uh so it could be like one to like nine million or whatever the number is. Um and how you change that Amazon bestseller rank, there's a, a lot of things, but I'm gonna to go to the two biggest and most important ones. One is a book sale. Every time you sell a book, your rank improves. So the number gets less, it gets closer to one, right? But we also found out that a KU book downloaded has the same effect as a sale. You will increase just as much, okay? Mm -hmm. And um, what's interesting about that is that we found that a lot, like a lot of the books that have influenced Amazon's ABSR the most, okay? like when they get up to that top 1,000, a mass majority of that is coming from KU downloads.
0: Right.
1: Um, and it's just interesting that KU downloads has such, and, and by the way, after 1,000, it drops off pretty significantly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that's just, you know, so it's kind of that kind of thing that we're finding and seeing. We also found too interesting stuff on book launches, like when there's times where you can see when Amazon did something to help improve a book. Uh, on their store, you know, and we see it almost in a cyclical moment. Um, and so, like I said, our our system is just analyzing all this data and trying to come up with uh, conclusions and things that we can do as a as a as a tool to be able to better interpret the market, better predict and forecast changes, you know, like uh, trends, right? Instead of waiting until a trend is hot to know it's hot, what about if there's leading indicators that help to say, hey? this trend seems to be on the verge. Like mm-hmm. we've looked at all the previous historical data on the categories that just took off, right? And this one right now is showing all of those characteristics. We are forecasting that in the next coming month or so that this one's going to be high. Um, you know, so that's a lot of what we're doing as well. And so that's what's really creating kind of the components. So it's not just one thing, but it's a whole bunch of things. And uh, I guess in a way we've become a, company of data
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um how can authors use this information like we talked a bit about you know picking your keyword phrases and everything but um how else can we use the the information especially around book launches and when we're setting up our books and everything
1: yeah well when you go to launch your book like like we said keywords is going to be huge the keywords you put in there is your first you know step in the door into the amazon uh store and when you launch your book it's we also found in our research that amazon gives new books preferential treatment Mm -hmm. at that moment when you launch they're going to show you more often than after the fact and so you need that opportunity to really show them hey i'm a great book to show because when you show me you make more money right because amazon's (laughs) in the business of making more money Mm -hmm. so knowing those is going to give you the best you know uh it's going to start it off on the right foot okay Uh, The second thing is, is that, you know, making sure that you get your categories. So, like, if you're in a bunch of categories where on your launch, you can hit bestseller status, which there's a lot of opportunity out there, um, you then get that bestseller tag. That's really awesome for your launch because when you start emailing or you're doing your advertisements or so, having a bestseller tag uh, gives people more confidence to buy you it's kind of like social, social proof. proof yeah exactly like oh man all these other people bought it like it must be good because they bought it like mm-hmm. we we know that it doesn't necessarily mean it's good it means that you know uh, we authors understand you know the sausage making process to this we've seen it but mm-hmm. to the readers they don't they see that bestseller tag and like oh man okay and so you're going to actually have higher conversion rates so i think that's another really big thing for you as well mm-hmm. um There's a bunch of other things that you can use the data for. Like, for example, you can look at the categories and start to make a decision on whether or not you want to enter into KU or not. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you're seeing that the categories you're choosing, they're predominantly like mass majority are in KU and KU books get a competitive advantage. I mean, it comes down to you. Um, You know, maybe like for me, I'm not in KU. I'm just not. It's just, but my step, by the way, my my process for choosing whether you're KU or not, step one is, comes down to your preference. Like, what do you like? Do you like to go wide? Do you not like to be tied down to Amazon? You know, it comes down to your preference. And so at step one is where I made my decision. Um, but step two is then start to look at, okay, well, if I choose to be in KU, understand that, you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Or vice versa.
2: Yeah. Hey,
1: my entire category is full of people in KU. If I really want to succeed in Amazon, you know, you might want to consider KU or you could say, well, all the good books are, you know, or all these powerful books are in KU. That means they're not in the other markets. But you could start to use this information to help better your decision on whether you enter KU or don't, better understand who you're facing, how strong they are. Um, it also helps you to look at the books that are successful, you know, and find out more information about them and understand what they're doing better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that could be a really powerful one 2 punch on your uh, launches as well
0: Mm mm-hmm yeah um okay so we've talked about the other um retailers and you are wide i am a wide author um so is there a way we can use the data from publisher rocket to help with wide sales
1: yeah so one of the things um that i like to tell people is that when it comes to um when it comes to uh wide so right now we do not have um we do not have the the data on the other markets, right? Because they're they're just not giving uh, what's necessary to be able to pull and understand them better. Uh, that being said, though, is that when we've had some particular one on one meetings with these companies, and we've looked and we've been able to physically look and see what's going on. Um, truth be told, is that like when people are trying to choose their keywords for the other markets, I'm like, hey, I know it says Amazon. And take that with a grain of salt, but it's usually proportionally correct. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's going to Amazon and typing in this phrase like Victorian second chance romance, okay, and it says a thousand searches per month. And this other phrase is, you know, medieval Victorian uh, or medieval second chance romance, and it's only 200 searches per month. You could say proportionately it's about the same on Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. It, the numbers might be different, but clearly... Victorian Second Chance Romance has a lot more searches than that of medieval. Okay. Um, Or you're trying to find the best way to angle a book. And so you can use that data that we're deriving from Amazon to make better decisions about your keywords uh, for the other markets as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, too, and there's I would say that there's only a couple of percentage of particular situations where that might not be true. okay. Um, That's because some of the demographics are a little different between the readers of, say, Barnes & Noble and the readers of Kobo and the readers of iTunes, you know, iBooks or Apple Books and the readers of Amazon. Mm -hmm. Amazon's just about everybody, but there are certain demographics that that might fit well. And so there's certain genres or subject matters that fit much better, you know, with the Barnes & Noble crowd. And so you might see a subtle difference, but you can still use that information for it. Now, with regards to the other markets, they all use BISACs as well. Yeah. So if you are choosing, you know, the categories for your BNN press, you could choose the BISACs. Um, and sadly, there's not not much more that you can go from there. Uh, that's just more of a logistical choice and you're moving on. Mm-hmm. That's one of those areas, too, that I wish uh, these companies would adopt a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, as authors have seen, categories and category placement can make a huge difference. Um And for those of you who don't know, Amazon's playing around with their categories right now. And a lot of authors are losing it um, because they were doing so well and they were making sales. And then all of a sudden, Amazon's decided to start showing only for three. Mm. Like you can only rank for three. You can be in 10, but you can only rank for three. Which three they choose, who knows? Mm. Um, And a lot of authors have seen their sales drop because of that. Mm. Um, Not increase. And I think, I think... And by the way, for anybody listening, I think that it's a glitch. Amazon's saying they're doing this or they're testing it. But right now in this moment, Amazon has a lot of bugs
2: mm-hmm.
1: at, that have been either acknowledged by them uh, or have been consistent to the point that there's no way that this is a decision on their point. Um, and i I just don't think it's a coincidence that the same thing is happening when all these other bugs are happening as well.
0: Mm. Interesting, but it's another argument for not having all your eggs in one basket,
1: right? Yep, I agree. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yep, I, it's personally, I'm not gonna lie. Mine is just principle. I, mm-hmm. I don't like some company, like, don't get me wrong. I like Amazon and I appreciate them. They they really helped me to be able to get out of the military uh, mm-hmm. and be full-time at home with my kids. Um, so I appreciate them. Uh, but that being said, though, is the, I just don't like the i'm somebody's going to put me on the record on this, but I just don't like the KU program. Uh, I don't like the fact that it's like, okay, Amazon, you're winning in the industry, but you don't need to put, you know, salt in the wound here, you know, and mm-hmm. force people not to be able to sell in other markets. Like, Yeah. And it's, and that's just for the electronic books, but.
0: Yeah. When you that's de- just me. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Um, And when you have other people like Kobo who have a subscription program, but they don't demand ex- exclusivity, it's like, there's no real reason for exclusivity except to make amazon more money it's not mm-hmm. really about us making money it's right. about them
1: <laughs> yep exactly and, and so i i i choose out of principle um it's funny as people are always shocked because you know my main website is called Kindlepreneur, and yet yeah. i'm like yeah i'm not doing wide or ku i'm doing wide. um you know but it is what it is
0: <laughs> yep Okay, so for some authors, metadata and the whole setup process is quite daunting. Uh, So what would you say to an anxious author who feels overwhelmed by this aspect of publishing?
1: That is uh, a great question. I I always tell people, honestly, um, it's kind of like eating an elephant one bite at a time. (laughs) Um, More importantly though, one of my biggest recommendations to authors is that I know we focus always on finishing the book and that's super important. But what I find is the case where a lot of, especially new authors just really come out of the gates and stumble is that when they go to publish their book, they rush right through the process. Um, because yeah, technically you could publish a book in three minutes or less, you know, like you could just throw it out there and put some things in it. Um, but like I tell people all the time, like, man, I, I, Years ago, before Amazon ads, I did I underestimated the power of a book description. I thought, yeah, sure, I mean make it good, whatever you know like I mean, duh, but then I saw how small changes can dramatically increase your conversion rates mm-hmm. um and so a lot of people, let's face it, uh we can write a hundred thousand word book, but when it comes to writing a concise, you know four hundred word, Book description or 300 word book description. I mean, we just fall flat on our faces. Mm-hmm. And what's even worse is a lot of authors get to that. They hate the step. Oh, you know, like and then <laughs> the they just in. Yep. And then they just flop something up there and hit publish. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh, truth be told, is I actually start working on that as soon as I can. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because the um it's really interesting. Because like the moment that I start writing a book is the moment that I start testing the my my uh um my book description. So like when you go to a party, right? Uh, you know, people are like, oh, you're an author. Yeah. Yeah, my latest book is, you know, is such and such, you know. And most of the time they're like, oh, what's it about? You know? Mm-hmm. And that's when I start testing. So, and let's face it, if you're at a party, you're like, well, so it's like about this girl and she's all like, um, you know, she's like the nerd and always pick on her uh, you, you know you're probably losing them right yeah but you know you drop you do a mic drop moment which you know i always like the hook you know the top part uh she might be a nerd you know but she'll she'll slit your throat you mm-hmm. know or something like, that. like wait what like <laughs> yeah so don't underestimate my character you know like uh-oh. you see what i'm saying like these things mm-hmm. i don't care if you don't like that kind of book all of a sudden you're like whoa wait what tell me more wait finish that you can't you can't stop at that moment right and so as you start developing this and you work on it and you craft it it's kind of like that 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 you know it's like that joke that you told once at a party and everybody kind of laughed and then the next time you said it you you made it better and better and better you know Mm -hmm. or that story that funny story and it just gets better in time Mm -hmm. that's what our book description should be you Mm -hmm. know and so we should be prepared for it we should be ready for the moment we go to publish same thing with the keywords um Mm -hmm. I think that the keyword should not be the thing you do at that moment. Tell you the truth. I actually use my keywords in working with my book cover designer.
2: Mm-hmm. And I do that
1: because I tell them, Hey, as a heads up, uh, these are generally going to be the phrases that people type into Amazon when they're looking for my book.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now think about that as you start designing this, like clearly, you know, epic dragon and fantasy, like I better have an epic dragon. Like, you know, like, like, cause if, if the dragons are missing that's a problem yeah but even more so is i was working with a particular author and we discovered that uh one of the particular phrases that that was huge that would be big for her was a time period and it was gas lamp i didn't know this but gas lamp is apparently this time period in like uh the metropolis time period where they had gas lamps mm-hmm. right and so in that case the designer added gas lamps in the background right because it was just a dark wall that that at that point key is is that if i'm looking at the cover i never would have figured out the general time period mm. i could maybe kind of guess it based off what the clothes the person was wearing but but when we put the gas lamps on there it immediately clicked on exactly what time period it is which connected better with her readers and mm. was a great one to punch so now not only when you type in gas lamp you know and the rest of the particular phrase that was hers um you see a cover that truly says yes this is that time period yes this is that kind of character yes this is that kind of book mm-hmm. and that symbiotic relationship just flows perfectly the shopper types it into amazon clicks search sees a cover that makes him feel good about that clicks reads a book description that's mic drop that's a sale mm-hmm. whereas you have a cover that looks nice you have a keyword that you know, and you have a book description you threw together, it's disjointed. You'll still do better than others because you will get seen, but you won't do as good because your funnel you know, isn't mm-hmm. as smooth and together. And I think that that's one of the biggest thing is, so do not save your metadata or do not like uh, do that at the moment of publishing. Let that be a part of your process. Let that mm-hmm. be a part of your um, writing. As a matter of fact, when I when back when I was really cranking out books, I used to set my Friday writing time to working on my book description. Hmm. And also like, you know, like that was when I was also doing my tactic where I was looking at book covers of other books that fit my keywords that and I would ask myself, what is it about that book cover I like? And I would write notes. And so I spent that time building out the idea of what my cover should embody, building up the keyword phrases, you know, building up that book description and ensuring that they all just really fit together. Mm. Um, so that the moment that I was ready to publish, I was ready and I didn't just have to like cram it in there at the last minute.
0: Mm. Nice. Okay. Um, so I just want to dig a little bit more into the keyword spaces on KDP because, I think this is a place where a lot of authors go wrong, and I know certainly my first book, you know, it was one word per section. <laughs> um, what's the best way for authors to use uh, use those valuable um, real estate spaces when they're setting up their book?
1: Well, um, I'll tell you one one valuable real estate place that authors don't take advantage of enough. I think it's the editorial review section. Mm. So everybody has the opportunity to add information on the editorial review section. And this is your opportunity to put just about whatever you want. Um, back in the day, Amazon used to even say, even your mom can write something. And I always I always remember that one because I was like, wow, that is so unprofessional for them. Like in their own, even your mom can do it. Uh, they they took it out, but they still try to tell people like, hey, you've, if it's a friend, if it's your wife or spouse or whatever, like you can put it in there. It's not, you know, it's allowed. But that being said, though, is I tell authors, hey, um, you know, go find other authors in your genre or on your subject matter. Um, and more importantly, it's not the name, though. It's a qualifier. That's the most important part. So. Uh, what I found analyzing what people do on that page is most people don't actually read what the person says. They don't They don't read the sentences. Oh my God, this book was amazing. This author is prolific, blah, blah, blah. What they do is they look and they see who is the person, right? And why are they speaking about this? So for example, uh, we'll call her name Jane Doe. Jane Doe. Nobody knows Jane Doe, right? But you put a qualifier in there that says multi-best-selling uh, you know, science fiction, sci-fi military author. Now I know that somebody in that genre who writes, and it clearly successful, has something good to say about this book, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And again, you go on to the next one. Uh, There's a lot of book uh, review blogs, okay? Now, you can go to them, and you can pay them, or you can uh, convince them to read your book and write a review about the book on their website. And what's cool about that, um, well, actually, what's not cool about that is that doesn't translate into an Amazon review, Right. Because you can't pay people to leave an Amazon review, uh, but right. when they write this review, you can take a blurb and then say, you know, the writer's name, lead editor to such and such website. Well, there's websites out there like TopSciFiBooks.com. Now imagine how cool that would be if the, you know, lead editor to TopSciFiBooks.com wrote a good blurb about or a good sentence that I took
2: mm-hmm.
1: about my book, right? um that just speaks volumes so you don't have to be this famous award-winning giant author or so what, what you do is you reach out to people in your network your genre you ask if uh they would be willing to do such a thing you can create that uh editor review section try to get six to seven um and that's enough for the for this for the shopper to see it stop and look and and validate that oh yes big names in this industry you know, because of the qualifiers, mm. uh, have good things to say about this book. So they feel more confident about the book, mm. right? Because professionals said said something about it. Mm. Um, and so many authors just kind of miss that opportunity. And that's that's great real estate, so long as you just take advantage of that. So mm. I highly recommend taking uh taking and doing something with that. And a lot of people just don't.
0: Mm. Yeah, and of course, there's now the um the extra thing on Amazon. The I can't remember what they're calling it, but there are extra features you can put pictures in and all sorts on your. Yes,
1: the A plus content.
0: That's it. Yeah. Yep,
1: and that's one of those things where I will I will um I wouldn't say I would hinder. Like I will tell I tell people this, if you have great artists, okay, or you have a phenomenal uh, designer or something like that, you know that it can um. And you know that you can do something with it, right? Then do it. But Mm -hmm. don't, like, if you don't do a good job with those images, it's going to look bad. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it will hurt you. Um, I just saw. and by the way, just don't take your book cover and put it back on there, okay? (laughs) But, like, if your cover designer created a couple of images, like, you know, better yet, uh, say it's a giant space battle book cover, right? There's a giant ship and it's shooting. uh, You might be able to get the author to take a different angle of the ship. You know, or something like that, because Mm. most of them do kind of like a 3D rendering, Um, you know, or you can get another scene from the book or you can get your main characters, maybe some of your concept art. You can put Mm. it on there. Um, But you but doing it and having it look professional. Yes, then it can be a boon. Mm. But if it doesn't look good, you're only hurting your chances. It Mm. looks less professional. So that's one of those like it's either it can really help you or it can hurt you depends on your resources it depends on your access to art and talent um mm-hmm. but I would say the editorial review section anybody can truly get some good qualifiers to show up on that and that gives you an edge without having to you know have the phenomenal book cover designer and the graphic design or the graphic backgrounds
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay
1: so to kind of wrap up what would be your
0: sort of top tips uh, particularly for newer authors who or authors who are just starting to take it more seriously um for using the data from your software from publisher rocket in their um setup what's your your, your top tip or top two tips
1: top two tips um All right. First and foremost, one tip I love is that when you're doing your keyword research, um, think about integrating those keywords into your book description. Mm -hmm. Not because you're gaming the system. That's not what I'm pushing. Um, But what I mean by this is that remember that your keywords are the words your shopper uses to describe the book or the pain or the solution, whatever it is that they're looking for. If they're a nonfiction, they're looking for, you know, they're describing their pain, they're describing the solution they want or they're describing who they are and why they're here. In fiction, they're describing the character book, the you know, and all those things. So when you do that research and you find these words that they are using, there's no better marketing tactic than using the customer's own words, right? Mm-hmm. So don't just think about them as the keywords you fill in your keyword box. Also think about how they can, uh, you know, bolster or beef up your book description. Um, and I'm sorry, I really hit on the sci-fi part, but I'm going to keep with that one just because. <laughs> um, if I wrote a book description that was like... Um, In a time where humans are fighting uh, an alien race, uh, the battle in space, um, you know, happens day and night. Okay, now I'm going to take that phrase, and again, this is just right off the cuff, so please don't, you know, knock me for this. But, you know, in a decimated land, or in the decimated wasteland of Earth, uh, the war has only just begun in the interstellar, you know, galaxies between the battle cruisers, the humans, and others. Notice that technically the structure that I used is about right. But I started to heighten uh, the words by using very science fiction words, battlecruiser, intergalactic, uh, you know, decimated, uh, you know, smoldering earth, um, you know, and I could have done a lot more to make it feel truly like a sci-fi military, right? Mm-hmm. There are phrases and words that truly connect, like battle cruiser. that word has only two meanings really either a it's a it's a world war ii history book or b it's a sci-fi you know intergalactic space battle
2: mm-hmm. because
1: uh thanks to a video game battlecruiser became a prominent name for a u.s or for a uh, earth you know mm-hmm. spaceship right but we learned this from our keyword research we're like oh okay so now it becomes something more mm-hmm. um so i i love that idea of using them to weave and and as words that you can be fun you know Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody keeps saying that it's lower, you know, sharp, uh, needle piercing, sharp, lower back pain, instead of just saying, do you have pain in your back? Say, does it feel like there's a needle sticking in your lower back? Mm-hmm. Right now you've made you something that's commonplace into something that's truly their own words. Like, oh my gosh, this guy knows what I'm talking about. Yes. Like mm-hmm. they describe it as a needle point. That's better than this guy that just calls it pain. Right. Yeah. Who use their words. I think it's a phenomenal tactic. Um, it just improves in your versions. Uh, the second thing is is I also say use it before you start writing the book too.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: whip out uh publisher rocket and start understanding what's going on. Uh look at who's competing, who will be the books that you will have to face. What are they doing right? What are they doing wrong? Gain that information uh first, read their reviews, um, see what it is people like and don't like, uh, gain a better understanding of that that genre or gain an understanding of this nonfiction book and what it did and didn't deliver that, that disappointed people. Mm -hmm. Uh, A great example of this was we were, uh, I was working with an author a long time ago that wrote a book uh, called how to sell art. And uh, we started, before they started writing it, we started analyzing the book itself uh, like the other books out there, the competition. And we realized that so many reviews were ticked off because They only focused on the traditional way of selling art and nobody talked about how to sell art online. And that was such a huge word. Mm -hmm. So clearly that had to be incorporated, at least in the subtitle,
2: Mm -hmm. right,
1: to let people know, oh, we talk about online. But also the particular author had not even thought about online. They were thinking like every other person, which is just traditional.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so immediately had to add a section to the book to help cover something that nobody else was delivering. And the voices, the people, the merchant, the, the, the customers were craving.
2: Mm.
1: So check that, use your, you know, do this research beforehand. You'll find the keyword phrase, how to sell art online was huge. It actually is, is search more than how to sell art. Mm. Go figure. And that author could have just been, I, let's put it this way. They were a lot more successful, uh, not just financially, not just hitting their metrics and not... Um, but also making their readers happier yeah. because they did that research before and not after
0: mm. yeah excellent okay so where can our listeners find out more about publisher rocket and you and everything that you do
1: yeah well you can find publisher rocket at PublisherRocket.com. Um, otherwise i'm at kindlepreneur.com and you can scroll down to the bottom i've got a contact page hit me up if there's any questions you have uh that i didn't answer or or if there's anything that's on your mind
0: excellent now this isn't your first rodeo on the unstoppable authors podcast so you know how we finish things off here i'm gonna ask you a would you rather question sounds good okay so would you rather give up use of the internet or give up all movies television and books
1: well sadly because the lifeblood is the internet i'd have to give up movies and books no, I know, I know. I don't like that, but mm. I got got some mouths to feed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Hmm. Yeah, what would you do for entertainment instead?
1: Watch movies on the internet. No, there's no workaround. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, no workaround. Darn, I thought I had it there. I was. Oh. <laughs> um, you know, I I like to I. Spend more time with my family. That's, you know, uh, take my boy camping uh, more often. Probably do more of the honey-do list, you know, that my wife has (laughs) for me. So, you know.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much for coming back, Dave. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you.
1: Absolutely. And again, thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. I hope you found this interview helpful and inspiring. Don't forget to answer our question of the week. How do you pick the keywords for your books? Let us know over on Instagram or in our Facebook group. And remember that if you want to join us for sprints and giggles and get all of the other benefits, you can do so over at patreon.com forward slash unstoppable authors. And don't forget to share the podcast online and tag us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Unstoppable Authors. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Unstoppable Authors podcast. We'll be back next week with more of our tenacity and worldly wisdom. Don't forget to visit our website to get the show notes and heaps of helpful blog articles at unstoppableauthors.com and join our guild of unstoppable authors and you will not only hear from us every week, but you will also get a free digital copy of my book, 30 Days of Worldbuilding. If you enjoyed the episode, please remember to subscribe and leave a review.